Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Bless you. You can be seated. Why don't you turn to a few people around you? I know I just asked you to be seated, but you can stand up for this if you want. But just uh, shake somebody's hand around you this morning. Tell them it's good to be in church today. This is an apostolic church, so we are accustomed to getting up and down frequently. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated again. You don't understand. I'm going to start off with something this morning that is uh, perhaps unique. Uh, we can't call it unique. We're too used to, to Bishop pulling rabbits out of the hat. Unorthodox, maybe. Uncommon, to a certain extent. Um, But I'm going to start off with something this morning. So, before anyone gets the idea that this is too foolish or way out in left field, let me assure you today that uh, everything we're about to do has an application for this morning's Bible lesson. It just may take a little while to get there. Uh, But I've asked for a volunteer this morning, Brother Drew. McBroom will come. He's going to help me today, and um, we're going to we're going to do something. We're going to take a few minutes to do it. While we're doing this, can you get your daughter to come up? <clears throat> so, how many have heard of balloon juggling? Anybody? If, if that class was out here, they would be saying, yeah, because I've did this in youth before. But balloon juggling is, uh, is just simply that. It's juggling balloons. But, uh, so we're going to put Brother Drew to the test this morning, and we're going to see <clears throat> how many balloons he can juggle at a time. Now, this does not have to necessarily be juggling in the sense of tossing things up in a circle. But the objective is... How many balloons can you keep in the air without letting any one fall? Here's the rules. You can't catch, you can't hold. So they have to constantly stay in motion and in the air. Okay? So we'll start with that one. You good? It's easy, right? So we'll add another one. Two's doable, right? A little more challenging. 
what happens? We had another one. Should we give him another try? Yeah. Let's let's try that again. All right. You can go ahead and get started with two. Now I'm gonna I want to add in the, the third one. There you go. All right, in three seconds, we're adding a fourth one. One, two, three. Yeah. All right, so where'd my other balloon go? All right, hand me that, Brother Pat, please. Thank you, sir. All right, so I'm going to give this to you. We're going to do it again, except this time... <clears throat> Bishop's going to be nice. <clears throat> so we'll pause for a moment while I talk. I'll, I'll explain. This time, what I want you to look at is every balloon is a task of life. It's something that has to be done. All right? We've all talked about having too many irons in the fire. We've heard that cliche. We've all talked about... Uh, juggling life or balancing life so you've got all kinds of aspects of life you've got work you've got family you've got church you've got health you've got spiritual needs you've got all kinds of things and they all seem to sometimes hit us all at once right all right so every balloon represents a different facet or a task in life that has to be managed so let's give it another try. You've got four, so start off with four, and then we're going to add in a number five. And number five comes in three, two, one. All right. Everybody give him a good hand for being a good sport this morning. <laughs> now, I was prepared with ten. I didn't know how uh, froggy you'd be this morning. I didn't have time. That's all right. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> we all have things in life that we must do. I don't normally take my jacket off, but if you'll forgive me, <clears throat> I feel like I'm about to self-combust up here. We have expectations also, not of the things that we do in life, but we also have expectations of other people. There are certain roles in life that we have an expectation of what we think that person should or shouldn't do. We all have them. So, at a very basic level, our, 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 our key expectations of some visible roles in life can be summed up as follows. And I've, I've verified this with brother, group, brother Google, and he helped me out just a little bit. So this is not just me telling you this. This is what is advertised as being some of the most common expectations. The common expectations of a medical doctor are that they are reachable at all times, that patient care should be personalized. I don't want a doctor treating me 
the way he treats you. As far as treatment goes, it should be personalized to my issues. That a doctor should communicate with their patients. How many has ever had a doctor come in the room, look at you, grunt a few times, write something down on a piece of paper in Latin that you can't read anyway, and then walk out the room and not come back for 20 minutes? And you're stuck wondering, what did that mean? So we expect the doctor to communicate with us. And then the fourth basic expectation of a doctor is that they offer care coordination with other specialists and providers. We don't want one doing something that the other one's going to do something different and they both counteract with each other. Four basic expectations of medical doctors. Now obviously they do a whole lot of other things, but those are the core expectations that most people have. The attorney, a very visible role in life. We have basic expectations of the attorney, and that is that they communicate with their client, that they maintain confidentiality, that they be competent in court when necessary, and that they win. Who wants to hire an I've never had to hire an attorney, and I hope I never do, but who wants to hire one that has a record of losing? It's a core expectation. You want somebody that's going to win. The basic expectations for the police officer is that they write tickets to deserving people only. That they catch the guilty people. It's basic. That they provide community support and that they help protect our families. They do a whole lot of other stuff. But those are the basic things that the common man expects them to do. The firemen. We've got, we're blessed with firemen in our church this morning, so they may correct me on this after church. I'm not sure. We do appreciate their service. So, guys, if I botch this up and get it completely wrong, please forgive me. All right? This is a shot in the dark, and I'll blame Google. But the basic expectations of the firemen are their willingness to fight fires both big and small. You guys agree? All right, I'm doing good so far. That they help protect our families. That they're on call 24-7. And that they rush into danger, not away from it. How did I do? Did I do all right? All right, he's smiling, so that's good. They do a whole lot of other stuff. But those are our basic expectations. Factory workers. I can say this as an employer this morning. Two very basic expectations. And then there's a lot to fill in the blanks there. But that is that they clock in and clock out, and they do their job. Basic core expectations. So I ask you a question this morning, and it's a very careful question, but I think it's a very important question. I was listening to a podcast a week or so ago, that really sparked and piqued my, my interest. I was listening to, uh, who was I listening to? Max Lucado. Bishop's read probably most of his books. May have all of them, I'm not sure. He's a good author. Uh, he's recognized by modern Christianity as America's pastor, is how they label him, uh, because of his notoriety in the books that he's written. And on this podcast, he made a statement and uh, I'll tell you what the statement is. And the statement was that there is no other occupation. And I stress him just so that you know, uh, I didn't just dream this up. But he said, 
out of most occupations today, there are no occupations that have as high of an expectation placed on them as that as of the role of a pastor. So I assembled a list, and I tweaked this list on and off, and I, I studied each individual topic to make sure, because I, I wasn't trying to cook the books here. I wasn't trying to make the pastor list intentionally look longer than all the others. But whenever I started really studying and thinking deeply about what are the basic expectations of people toward the role of a pastor, there are many. All right, so some of these you may not personally feel like you expect, but by and large, throughout a group of people, somebody is going to feel this way in the role of a pastor. And here's the list I came up with. And they're in no particular order, but just starting with how I wrote them down. That they love their congregation with unwavering devotion. You don't want a pastor that don't care about you. Right? Number two, that he prays. That should be a prerequisite to the job. That he studies. Spends a lot of time in study. That he teaches. Number five, that he preaches. And I separated the two because they are two very distinct things. Number six, that he visits the sick, elderly, and those in hospitals. Number seven, that he acts as the CEO of business affairs of the church. Number eight, that he leads and manages staff members. Number nine, that he's active in both the community and church organization. Number ten, that he teaches Bible studies. And I'm not talking about Wednesday night church. I'm talking about one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. Number eleven, that he conducts weddings and funerals. Number twelve, that he has a strong work ethic and character. Number thirteen, that it is, he does not yield to critics. And he's not a compromiser. But some people would say that they don't want him to be too hard either. Number 14, that he's a giver. Number 15, that he's on call 24-7, 365. And number 16, some of you would not say. Number 16, I, I apologize uh, that it may sound just a, a little harsh. Uh, because I don't know many people that would actually say it out loud, but I do know some people that have probably thought it. Uh, because, And I say this with emphasis just because I grew up in a pastor's home, and as a child, this is how I often felt about certain situations that were required of my father. And that is, we often expect the pastor to walk away from whatever he's doing, including time with his own family, anytime I want him to because my needs are more important. Now, we don't necessarily say that, but actions speak loudly. So, if I summarize the basic expectations this morning, they are, uh, if we talk about the, the task, think about the balloons here, okay? If we talk about the things that must be juggled all at one time, the medical doctor has a focus of, we can say, around four different things because they have a very specific emphasis on what they're doing. Attorney, four. Police officer, four. Fireman, four. Factory worker, a couple. Pastor, 16. Based on people's expectations of what he should be doing. 
And I think the list of 16 is a pretty good list. And I think it does authentically represent valid expectations. So that brings me to our scripture text this morning. I told you we was going to get into the Bible. So our scripture text I'm taking from 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 1 says, The elders which are among you I exhort, whom and also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. This is the instruction to the pastor. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples or examples to the flock. The title of our Bible lesson this morning is, is just very simply this. I want to talk to you today about the blessing of having a pastor. The blessing of having a pastor. Now, I want you to understand today that this, this Bible lesson is not coming by request. It's not coming from a complaint. It's not coming from an observation. But today's October 1st, and we just formally entered what is known as Clergy Appreciation Month. Pastor just happens to be out of town. It just happens to be that as late as last night and into the very early morning hours of today, I really felt like God directed me to go to this subject today because it's vitally important that we understand in 2017 with 2018 fast approaching why we need a pastor. And it's vitally important that we understand the blessing and the benefit to us to have a pastor. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. I may actually talk about it tonight because I don't know that we'll get done today. Everybody say amen. amen. So our mission, the mission statement of this church has remained unchanged for a number of years. We were in the second church, I believe. Isn't that right? Bishop authored this mission statement several years ago when he was a pastor. And it says this, to love as God loved. Pastors actually taught on it recently. Uh, But just to kind of rehearse it again. To love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. So the duty and purpose of the church is we call lost people to salvation. That's our goal. That's our mission. That is our God calling. Not just as preachers in ministry, but as the church. That is our God calling is to, as Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. We equip people to work in the kingdom, and we send people out. We, we haven't sent people out for a while. Possibly Pastor was the last person that really was sent when he and Sister McGee went on to the evangelistic field several years ago. But the purpose of the church is to do just that. 
But in the absence of actually sending someone, we send our finances. And we send in that manner people and missionaries to foreign soil uh, to, to work in the kingdom of God for people that do not have the benefits of a local assembly that we have today. So that is our mission as a church. The responsibility of pastoring as a result of reaching out to people with a, God, with a call to God's salvation plan. We bring people to church which is led by a pastor. Let me tell you something, a church that doesn't have a pastor is a dangerous place to be. I, uh, I, I do business with several, several well-known and large companies. Among the largest is FedEx. Uh, my company uh, has a, a very large account with them for the volume of business that we ship. And I, I've had some problems with them this summer, Bishop. And uh, after multiple complaints and, and, and really raising the, the, uh, the energy of the complaint internally at their organization, I was finally able to learn after a couple of months that there was one particular warehouse where product was going through that all the mistakes happened to come from. I knew something was wrong and something was breaking down because you, you aren't successful for months and years on end and then all of a sudden something start falling apart without something changing. So I asked the question, I said, what changed in your organization to cause this to happen? And the answer came back a couple of months later after a thorough search and it was this one distribution center that had been without a manager for two months. The employees there had no leadership. They walked in, they clocked in, they did whatever they wanted to do, or the conscientious people did whatever they knew to do, but there was a serious breakdown because there was no one funneling all of the decisions. It's the same way in the church. We've got to have someone leading us, directing us, guiding us, and without that element in our lives, we are just as sheep running astray. So it's, it's necessary. I want to, I'm, I'm giving emphasis today about the blessing, but I'm, I must say today it is necessary for us to have a successful walk with God, for us to have and submit our lives to a pastor. The role of the pastor may be one of the most misunderstood jobs that exist. You see, I'm not a pastor. So I have the luxury of being able to say that this morning, and it's not self-advancing uh, because I'm not referring to myself. Many people think that pastoring, pastoring consists only of preaching and visitations. Those are two, as we went through the list, you can see those are two of the things that we know only because those are two things we see. Somebody say amen. amen. A simple Google search will show you that the average pastor works between 55 and 75 hours per week. I've taken my time this morning for two reasons. I want it to soak in, and number two, uh, I've got some breathing struggles, so if you'll just uh, bear with me there uh, as we work our way through this. Sometimes pastors battle feelings of stress, 
isolation, insecurity. They worry about their ministry's impact on their own family. And they even battle depression. Now, some of you are sitting there looking at me saying, well, sounds like life. Sounds like my life. Sounds like people I know that aren't pastors. You're absolutely right. Being a pastor does not make the man inhuman. And he's in front of everyone. Now, it's one thing. I, I've, I, I, I do a lot of study of psychology, and, and I've, I've polled and surveyed this congregation for several months just with my own interpretation of people. And I would survey this morning, and this is not official, it's not formal. Uh, if you want to discuss it on a one-on-one -on -one basis, I'd be happy to. But I would survey this congregation this morning and say that there are a great deal of people here this morning that couldn't care less about getting up here behind this pulpit and saying anything. There's some, nod, there's some head shaking and some nods going on. There's some smiles. I'll take the smile even if it's not nodding. But I, I think I'm correct this morning in saying that you don't want to be here. Brother Freddie says no. You don't want to be here. But you expect someone to. So... With your insecurities, with your vulnerabilities, with your stresses and your isolation and your depression that you carry into this assembly on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night basis, all because life happens and life is not fair. You don't have to get up in front of everyone else and put that in a mental table somewhere and say, I can't worry about that right now, I've got to preach. Because what happens to a lot of us that don't have that pressure is while we're here and while he's teaching and while he's preaching, we're worried about what we're depressed over. We're not multitasking. We're not throwing balloons up in the air and having to, to juggle a bunch of stuff because we don't have to. But I feel like it would be fair to say this morning that pastor sometimes feel stressed. Sometimes he's depressed. Sometimes he feels insecure. But has to, in spite of that, you know, this, I, I want to demonstrate for you this morning the appreciation level that it requires of us to, to value someone that is willing to do something we won't do. So much so. Now, I was, I was blessed to be youth pastor here for a couple of decades plus. We'll, we'll leave it at that. I don't have to talk specifics. It makes me feel old. But for a long time, and I, I got an early start, Brother Bob Gross. I started when I was five. I mean, I was just a gifted leader at a young age. So, Amen. You know that's not true, but it felt good to say it. But one thing I used to do, Bishop, and I did this on an annual basis, 
is in Sunday school class. Sometimes even on a Friday night youth service I did it. Is every person in the class took a turn to teach at least once. And I usually timed it around the moments of time through the year where that I know I was just an old voice and they heard me all the time. And surely to goodness they were getting sick and tired of hearing me every Friday night and Sunday morning of their life. So whenever I felt like that their attention spans were less than normal, whatever normal is for a teenager, but whenever their attention spans were thinning, then we would take a turn at having them teach. It didn't make any difference to me if it was a four-minute lesson or a 40-minute lesson. Just try. And I noticed something early on whenever I started practicing this. The six to 12 weeks that followed were some of the best classes that we had that entire year. Why? Because they gained a new appreciation for what it took to stand up in front of everyone. You see, public speaking is an interesting phenomenon because about five minutes before church time, this place is buzzing. There's people, they're fellowshipping and they're talking and it's ooh, ha, ha, yeah, and everybody's just smiling and laughing and cutting up and having a good time and talking about lunch and dinner last night and whatever, the football game, whatever you're talking about, you're talking about it and you're making some noise. And that's all right. I hear voices from this platform a few minutes before church that I don't hear the rest of the night. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to make a point. <coughs> but if I were to ask you, hey, in three minutes, I need you to get up and, and, and say something. No! We'll make all kinds of noise out there, but whenever it's front and center and it's underneath the lights and everybody's looking... Now, we are not going to open this pulpit up for everyone to take a turn. But I would to God if we could just imagine what we would be like if we did. And then use that imagination to express appreciation for the one who does. Because when a person battles insecurity and stands in public vulnerable and emotional, and as we can say, they leave it all on the field. Nothing, nothing hidden, all exposed. And there's no response in return. The silence is deafening. Now understand something this morning. We don't preach or teach for response. It's not our motive. It's not why we're standing here. But make no mistake about it. There is importance in the response. Because when you respond, that tells the person preaching, and we're talking about pastor right now, that tells him not only are they with me, but they're with God. We're tracking together. You know how when, when, when you go, when you tell somebody a story or you're explaining a situation to someone, Brother Terry, and you're talking to them, sometimes people get this real dull, blank look in their face. 
and you can't tell if they're with you or not. You know, it's like, it's like deer in the headlights, and you're looking at them, and you're like, are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Do, do, you, do, I need to, do I need to explain it different? Are you getting it? No, I'm not getting it. I've, I've had teenagers look at me before, and I knew they wasn't getting it. Because I stood right here on a Friday night for a number of years every week teaching. And I would look at them, Brother Terry, and I, I knew. Lights is on, nobody's home. And I'm looking at them, it's, it's nothing but space. And, and there's times I'm thinking, Lord, help me. I don't know how much, how much, how simpler to get. But I knew they wasn't tracking with me. So I had to keep over and over trying to do it until I knew that they was tracking with me. You know what the response does? The response says, I'm tracking with you. I, I've got you. I understand. And the response also, and, and, and I, can't, I don't have time to get into all the details of it, but there's psychology in response. Because when you publicly demonstrate an amen or a hallelujah or a yes, you're not only telling pastor, I'm with you. You're telling God, I'm with you. You're telling the devil, I'm not with you. And we have a greater chance of holding ourselves accountable for what we're agreeing to when we agree to it out loud. When those that are around us know, hey, they agreed, then there's going to be some action to follow that. Where we get ourselves in trouble in our individual walk with God is I'm not accountable to have any action to follow the Word of God if no one knows I agree with it. Somebody say amen. amen. So, silence. You say, well, I, I listen with my ears. Yeah. But that doesn't impact your hands. Listening with your ears doesn't stop your voice from working. Silence speaks. You and I do not have the luxury in an apostolic church where the word of God is being preached and it is doctrinally sound. We do not have the luxury to sit by idly and silent and expect to just get by and everything be okay. The word of God demands of us that we not only be a hearer of the word but that we also be a doer of the word and that requires something from me that I've got to demonstrate so that not only I know and God knows and pastor knows and the devil knows but the people around me deserve to know what I believe. So in a manner of speaking, my response to the Word of God is my way of testifying. I've heard some, some preachers while they're preaching say, can I get a witness? They're asking, will you testify by response that what I'm saying is not only true, but that you agree with it? So... We don't do it for response because it's not about us. But we as a body 
as, as a church body, as the people of God, we need to respond to the word of God for God. And that also helps our pastor. In addition to the weight that comes from caring for church people with needs and a community that needs to know God, pastors often also encounter spiritual warfare. There are things that, that I, I know, uh, and I know some of these things just by observation. Sometimes uh, in conversation, you just have to, you have to listen. But I know that there are things that, that pastor, our pastor goes through that they are not physical. There, there, are, there are turmoils that he goes through, that there are attacks in his life that he goes through, that they are not anything but spiritual. But in spite of these things, a pastor just presses on. Because it's about more than a job, it's about... A God calling. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet Unto the nations. How many of you here this morning, just, just by a show of hand or just a simple amen, would agree this morning that ministering in the form of teaching and preaching is a calling? How many, how many would agree with that today? How many of you believe that pastoring is a calling and not a career option? Can I get a witness on that one? Amen. How many of you believe that your pastor is God called for this assembly? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm not asking you to, to answer this one. I, I want to provoke you in love this morning, and I want to challenge you by the Word of God to consider how many of you demonstrate. And again, don't answer this one. Just think about it to yourself. But how many of you demonstrate your support by listening, obeying, and responding to the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God? Because it's important. Imagine to the dismay of a medical doctor, Bishop, you've got diabetes and you help control that not only by diet and exercise, but medicine, as do a lot of people. Now, this man is probably more disciplined in how he, he handles his physical health and his diabetes than anybody I know. But let's just for a moment entertain the idea that he wasn't. Okay? Let's just think for a moment that he wants ice cream, he eats ice cream. He wants pizza, he eats pizza. I know pizza's a big no-no. He wants orange juice, he drinks orange juice. Let's just say that he's got the average American diet. All right? Pizza... Candy bars, ice cream, sodas, whatever. Whatever makes your imagination happy. And then goes to the doctor and says, Doctor, I can't keep my sugar uh, level. I, I'm up and I'm down, and I'm up and I'm up and I'm up and I'm up and then I'm down. I, I, I just can't do it. 
And the doctor says, well, uh, Mr. McGee, this is what you need to do. You, you need to have a good diet. You, you need to walk uh, every day. And you need to take your medicine. Well, I don't like taking medicine. All right, we're in Imagination Central right now, okay? Well, just imagine the doctor's dismay and disappointment when he looks at a patient that won't listen to him. When he looks at a patient and says, Doc, I've got pain, I've got problems, I can't keep it under control, and the doctor is telling him the recipe for healthy living, but he cannot make him do it. We're going somewhere. I know doctors, not to him, but I know doctors who have told people, don't come back to me. I will not treat you anymore because you won't listen. And I'm not going to have your death on my hands. You go somewhere else. Now, if a doctor can be disappointed at that, just imagine whenever we come into God's house and we are talking about life and death eternity issues and pastor preaches and he teaches he preaches and he teaches. He preaches and he teaches over and over and over every church service faithfully. And he's giving us all the recipe for a healthy spiritual living. He's given us all the way by which we may get our ticket to heaven. Just imagine the disappointment of preaching the word of God from here and it never being translated there. Then we circle back to the depression and the insecurity because, well, I'm not doing any good anyway because they're not listening to me. Probably how the doctor feels. And if a medical doctor can feel that way and it's all right, we need to understand that the man standing behind this pulpit can too. So, my point is, and, and albeit this may be uncomfortable for some, but I must say it, I must declare it, because it's true this morning. Part of our way by which we show support is by adhering to and submitting to the word of God that is preached to us. And, and, and I'm not talking to our guests this morning, uh, but if you are here this morning and, and you are a veteran of apostolic church attendance, I don't know how to qualify what veteran is this morning, but obviously it's not a guest and it's not a new person. But if you have been here, let's say for, uh, I'll just, I'll just to, out of all fairness this morning, let's just pick five years. But if you have been here five years or longer, and again, this is something I, I want to, in the spirit of love today, challenge you to just really think about. I want to provoke you to thinking today, and I want to do it with love. But if you have been here, and your lifestyle has not changed according to the preached and taught word of God, then my question to you this morning is, why? 
as a doctor looking at a patient, I'm telling you this morning that you have the recipe through God's man of this hour in order to help you be saved. Why in the God's good sense would we not listen to what he has to say? I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. It's a part of our demonstration of support is demonstrated not just in the hand raise and not just in the clap. We, we need that response. We've already covered that. But it's also demonstrated in our ability to listen, obey, and live. Because if all I'm doing is just attending and I'm not changing, let me tell you something. There are things, I sit on this platform every service, but don't you think for a minute that I'm not human. And I don't care how many letters you put behind my name or what title you give me, you can just call me hey you as long as you say it respectfully. I'm fine. None of that matters. But make no mistake about it, gentlemen. I put my trousers on the same way you do. And that's one leg at a time. I don't stand them up and run and jump. There's nothing special. There's nothing, of uh, uh, the people sitting up here, I meet a certain set of qualifications. That's it. And that's demonstrated through obedience. Don't, don't you think for a second that I haven't had conversations with my pastor where he wasn't happy with me. I'm not going to tell you what they were or when they were. It's none of your business. I say that with a smile on my face and with love, but it's none of your business. And the love and supportive personality that he has, it was a much bigger deal to him than it was me. It was painful for me to hear him tell it. Just, just spit it out. Just tell me. And when he finally got it out because he was trying his best not to hurt my feelings, that's the kind of pastor you have. And when he finally got it out, I was like, oh, that's it. He thought I needed to apologize for someone to someone for something I'd said. Okay. It's a done deal. We had church that night. I took that person aside. I don't remember if it was before or after. It doesn't make any difference. I apologize sincerely. Because I got called on something. I didn't even I didn't even know I'd said anything out of school. Let me tell you what would happen if that had been some of us. And I'm not putting a feather in my cap by saying this this morning because I've got flesh just like you do. But you will never, ever, ever be successful at anything without submission. I can say that as, a, as an employer and as a minister this morning. You won't be successful in any job unless you learn to submit and say okay. Because you're not always going to like what your employer tells you to do. As a man of God this morning, I'll tell you, in the church, it's no different. You're not always going to like what you hear preached. We're not here to tickle ears or to pat you on the back so much that you get a bruise on your shoulder blade. You're not that good. But I'm not either. There are, there are times I sit right there in that middle chair on that platform that I feel just as convicted as I hope some of you do.
That's when it becomes my duty, Bishop, to submit and to obey. I've got to move on. I've got to move on. So the role of a pastor, we're not going to get done this morning. I, part two the, tonight, part two tonight. If you don't normally come on Sunday nights, I ask you to come tonight so you can at least hear out the rest of what I've got to say or at least listen to it on podcast. But the role of a pastor. Let's move to Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse number 15, Brother McBroom. It says, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. If you don't know what you believe, you need to learn it. And it comes from this desk. So there are five traits, five traits of a shepherd that can be seen in pastors as well. Shepherds are rescuers. Sheep, stay with me here after I make this statement. Don't tune me, don't change the station yet, all right? Don't tune me out. But sheep are not intelligent animals. <laughs> Lord have mercy. And the reason I say that is because sheep, with no predetermined reason in mind, they just wander. They wander from the herd. They easily lose their way. They may only go a short distance with the group and then also all of a sudden find themselves not able to, to find their way. Sounds like a lot of people. People will easily lose their way without the blessing of a pastor to constantly and continually keep them on track. I'm telling you this morning, it is a blessing to have a pastor. It's a blessing to have a man of God who is willing to break bread to us spiritually and to say, that's not the way it's supposed to be done. You know, we are living in such a, 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 a ultra-sensitive society today. Everybody's offended over everything. Everything. I, I would not... I, I, I never had aspirations to be the president. It's probably a good thing. But I never did. Never interested me. I have a high, high respect for the office. And this is not a political statement this morning. It makes no difference to me what your persuasion is politically or how you voted last November. But by way of demonstration this morning, I can tell you that it doesn't matter what our president says right now, there's a group of people that's always going to disagree with it. He's doomed to fail before he ever even tries because somebody is going to disagree with it. But shepherds are rescuers. Shepherds go and get the, the sheep that has wandered and pull them in from being lost. 
Matthew 9 and 36, I'm coming to a close this morning. Matthew 9 and 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then he saith to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm closing this morning with John chapter 10 and verse number 11 that reads, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming. I think pastor touched on this on a Wednesday night recently. Seeth a wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, the blessing of having a pastor is, I don't have to worry about being devoured by the wolf. My pastor is going to get in front of me and he is fighting a fight of spiritual warfare before I ever even know it exists. Woo. He's sensing something in the spirit and that's what causes him to preach the things that he preaches. The blessing of having a pastor today is that he sees the wolf before I ever even know he's there. And he says, not on my watch. There's a blessing of having a pastor. I wonder if you'd lift your hands this morning and just, just call on the name of the Lord right, right now. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We're, we're so thankful for you. We appreciate you, God. We appreciate you. I'm so thankful for you, Lord. Thankful to have a man of God in my life. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.